This morning, we are continuing in our study of Ephesians 4 and looking at how um, how we as a church worship and fellowship together in such a way that leads to ministry. And Ephesians 4 is this beautiful chapter about how uh, God's people fit together in particular ways toward a particular end. So this morning, I'll be reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, as you have it in your online bulletin. Um, but the text that I'll be looking at uh, briefly will be uh, verses 4 through 7. So here now, God's word. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captive and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower, lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. As we continue 2021, uh, looking at the session's direction for Trinity, and as we think about uh, what this means, uh, we are investigating here in Ephesians 4 how worship and fellowship will lead us more and more into ministry. And Pastor Blake has shared previously from Ephesians 4. Before that, we had looked at what it means to, to actually work, to do ministry, the very foundations of what it what it means to come together both as as sinners and as saints 
in the local church. And this morning, we turn to something that, uh, that I think that it's very easy for us to skip over and even to skim over as we read. The Apostle Paul here, who under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote the letter to the Ephesians, makes it a point to, to put down some very uh, interesting words and peculiar words in some cases. And we want to be very careful when we read Scripture, because every bit of Scripture, from the, the longer words that, that bring us great joy to even every preposition and article, they're there by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to slow down, look at verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 this morning. And I'll keep it short because my feet are cold. And we're here at Trinity House. And believe it or not, this old house, it's snowing inside one of the windows over here. We don't want to stay here very long, okay? Um, as much as we love worshiping with you, it doesn't feel like that because I'm talking to an inanimate camera. All right, so we're going to get started here. The church must realize that it's one. For us to, to worship properly, for us to fellowship, as the Bible says, and for us to do ministry rightly, the church must realize that it's one. Now, why is that the case? I want to show you something very interesting here. At the very beginning of verse 4 in Ephesians 4, after the Apostle Paul in verse 3 talks about how uh, we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice his next words. He doesn't say, so try to be one body. Try to have one spirit. Try to have one calling. He says, very frankly and very succinctly, there is. It doesn't matter our own perception on things or, or kind of how we feel about our place in, in Christianity. And not only that, but larger. Uh, it doesn't really matter if, if there are schisms, if there are things that might put us at odds with our brothers, let's say that are Baptist or Pentecostal or, or different things like that. Um, the Apostle Paul here, writing to all Christians, marks out the point that there is one body. Just as we were united in one spirit, kind of going back to verse 3, and it's not little s spirit, but big s spirit. We have the one same Holy Spirit he is the same source of power for me as for you, as for a brother or sister around the world, meaning underground to, to worship or in a giant cathedral in Europe. The same Holy Spirit is in all of us. Um, 
And then it, notice it says here, twice he talks about calling. He says, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, um, we do have one hope that is uh, really our, our one desire that we're looking forward toward the end. And then sandwiched in between that, he talks about calling. He doesn't say there was one calling, but notice the language. He says, just as you were called, to the one hope that belongs to your call. Now, these prepositions in Greek are plural. So what he's saying for Texans and Oklahomans, he says, just as y'all were called to one hope that belongs to y'all's call. So listen to how he mixes and uh, uh, mixes uh, both singular and plural with that, just as y'all, plural, were called to one hope. One Christian doesn't have one hope and another Christian has another hope. There's not a billion, if there's a billion Christians, there's not a billion hopes. There's one hope for all Christians that belongs to y'alls. And then listen to this, call. He doesn't say calls. Now, of course, we all do have individual calls upon us in church. And for you kiddos out there, the only time that you hear Lord is in the context of church. You don't call your teachers that. I hope not. You don't call your parents that. Um, the word Lord here, maybe we can think of it a little bit better and think of it in terms of king. We have one king. Christians live in one kingdom under his kingly reign. Christian government is not a democracy. It's not a representative republic. It is a totalitarian monarchy, which that might sound awful if we lived in a place uh, where a sinner was on the throne. But Jesus is king, and he is good, and it's good to be in his totalitarian monarchy. So we have one king, and then it says we have one faith, in one baptism. If you think about the nature of our faith, the Holy Spirit gives us faith, but the only way that we get into relationship with Jesus is through faith and through faith alone. And that faith, quantitatively, might be different from Christian to Christian, but qualitatively, it's the same. There is one faith one faith that we confess, one faith that we receive the Lord Jesus with. And then it says there's one baptism. Now, for some of us, we might think, well, yeah, but I've been baptized seven times. Let's just back it up a little bit. Uh, there is one baptism. That is, there is one entrance right. There is one entrance sign um, in the same way that Americans, or people all around the world, I suppose, have one passport to show that they are residents of that particular country, or you have one birth certificate. Baptism is our one marking out that we are Christians. Now, of course, you can't see that. It's not something that we wear on our heads, not a mark uh, that you can see in any way whatsoever. 
But that baptism commanded by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 28, it is something physically that marks us out as different. And this is one of the reasons why baptism is never done in private, but it's done in public. Because it, because it is a public declaration. Not so much the person being baptized, their public de declaration of their faith, but God's public declaration of the one faith given to all of the saints. So Paul goes, one king, or one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and then one God and Father of all. Clearly there's one God. And I think it's interesting here that, that the text says not just one God, but one God and a Father. We can think of, of Christianity in, in so many different ways. The analogies that are given in Scripture, either to a living body or to a living temple. But here, to tie it all together, all of these different ones, he ties it back to the concept of a family. Because you, if you're in Jesus, or me, or whoever it is, if we're united in this one faith with one king, friends, we have one father. We are one true family. And it's a family in which our faith runs deeper than even blood. Because in the new heavens and the new earth, the thing that will mark out those who are with the Father is not who they were born to, not what nation, not what family name they were born to on this earth. It's who is their Father, their true Father, capital F. And so there is one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Now, if we look at this and we see that there's a, there's a corporate push here by the Apostle Paul. Don't leave out verse 7. Verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He goes from talking about y'all's call, one faith, singular, singular, but then he says, grace was given to each one of us. That grace is given to each and every one of us. It's not just, it's not just for elders. It's just not for deacons. It's not, not merely just for those who serve in Sunday school or who serve at all in any capacity. If you are in Christ, you have been given grace specifically and particularly to you. And this is, this is really good news because what we see at the end of verse 7, how do you get that grace? It says it's according to the measure of Christ's gift. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we have to do, let's say, to receive it very well. It's a gift given by Jesus to each and to every one of us. And so in taking all of this together and going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, 
Jesus knitted us together. You, me, all Christians all over the world. It is Blake talked about is in that's in your bulletin uh, online. When C.S. Lewis talks about Christianity as a as a let's say a house with many 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 different rooms. Those rooms really do represent our denominations or flavors. There's a Presbyterian room, or there's probably a PCA, there's a PCA closet, because it's really, really small. Uh, the Southern Baptists have a really nice, luxurious room. Uh, there's all sorts of different rooms, but the point is, there's no fire in the hallway. There's no food in the hallway. There are no couches. There's no places to sit. You got to go from a hallway into one of these particular rooms because you can't worship in the hallway, as it were. You can't fellowship in the hallway. The hallway is just simply a place to get where you're going. And once you get there, enjoy it. I think there's a lot here for us to, to think about and to really to, to ruminate on as we interact, and especially those of us who are watching here in the Bible Belt, where a whole lot of people say that they're Christians, that's in part because there are a lot of Christians, and a lot of Christians of different different flavors. And if you're like me, when you came into the Presbyterian Church, you thought it was really strange that we did something like baptize infants. But that's not on the same level as the things that we see here. One Lord, one King, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So this morning, as we close, I would encourage you to think about not only what God has done, but how he, how he has accomplished this. The only way to bring all of these separate peoples to bring all of these disparate peoples, many who are at odds with each other, the only way to do that is through tearing down the dividing wall on the cross. Jesus himself saw that the only way to bind a people together under all of these ones was for him to take upon himself the fact that there were many different so-called kings, many different so-called faiths, many different so-called bodies, and to absorb those schisms and splits in his body on the cross so that he, through the cross he might make all of us in him one.